if I'm honest, uh, that I traveled quite a bit uh, to preach in places and prisons and in churches and at youth events and things like that. And oftentimes that on uh, the front end of a message, uh, there's about eight or so minutes of um, explaining who I am, explaining a funny story to kind of warm people up. But this is kind of how you do it as a traveling speaker. But over the past like week and a half, all of you guys have been leaning into the presence of God. And I don't think I need the pleasantries tonight. I think let's just go right into the word of God, right into the spirit, because here's what I know is that he loves when we seek him. He loves when we seek him. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere all over the world right now, all over the universe, except there's times when his special presence comes into a space. And it isn't just his omnipresence. It's where he actually just pours out his spirit in fresh ways in powerful ways and in potent ways. And that's what we've been asking for for the past week and a half. And so let's pray if you would. And if you would, I know this is kind of weird for some people, but if you would hold your hands out in front of you and just in a posture of I'm ready to receive whatever you have from you, Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your space. This is your word to your people. It's your gospel and it's your Holy Spirit. And right now we just ask that you would show up in power. As your word says, you are the essence of beauty. And I pray that you would re-captivate our hearts with how beautiful you are. God, speak, have your way in this space. We are expectant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I appreciate the keys. It makes me sound really spiritual, don't you think? <laughs> All right, I think we have a sweet little picture that we're gonna throw on the screen of my family. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a blessed man. But when I look at that picture, man, all I see is beauty and a blemish like right in the middle, kind of up top right there. But the rest of the picture is just straight up beauty. I have a beautiful wife. Her name's Kathleen. And then our almost three-year-old right there is Evelyn Joy. And then Quinn is the one that isn't screaming for about three seconds right there. And I slept eight hours last night, so we are in it. I, I, I feel good. I didn't even have to have coffee today. It was just, I'm, I'm ready to go. But when I look at that picture, all I see is beauty. And here's the thing about beauty is that when you observe a beautiful person or a thing, you reorient your life around what you find beautiful all over my life, everyone in the world really is trying to find what is really good and true and beautiful. Of all of human history, people have been trying to find what is truly good and true and beautiful. And then once you find what is good, true, and beautiful, you reorient your life around 
that person or thing. So for us, it was like, man, I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna reorient my life around my wife. And then we have a kid and we reoriented our lives around that screaming child who throws up and poops on everything. And man, I would kill for her. You know what I mean? Like I just love her so much, but her beauty caused me to reorient my life around her. And then Quinn as well. And when Quinn was born, man, having two kids is so different than one. I don't know how you do three. Does anybody have like eight kids in here? Anybody like, yes, eight? Eight kids, bless you. Hand her a $20 bill on the way out. Come on, somebody. Oh my gosh. But that's what beauty does. Is that experiencing beauty causes you to reorient your life around it. If it's your kids, you reorient your life around them because they're beautiful. If you have a new job, it's like, man, this thing is what I find good, true, and beautiful. I'm gonna reorient my life around that job. If it's a, a sporting team, right? You're like, man, they're doing good this year. I'm gonna travel to the games. I'm gonna reorient my life around what I find beautiful. And so if you have a Bible, let's flip open to... Psalms 27. I was raised pagan. And so that's, that's a true story. Um, I was raised pagan. So I always thought this was the book of Palms. I, I remember when I got saved, I was like, man, that, that Palm book is fire. And my friend was like, what are you talking about? Palms? Oh, you mean like Palm Sunday? I'm like, not a, the, the, all the poetry and the songs, the Palm book. He's like, it's not palms, it's psalms, bro. It's like, it starts with a P. I don't know where you get psalms from. Okay, Psalm 27, here's what King David says. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and help me with this verse, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What he's explaining here is that there is one thing that he has oriented his entire life around, and it is the beauty of God. And there's a lot of people out there that have hot takes on what's wrong with the Western church right now. There's a lot of people who say it's too liberal or it's too conservative or it's too aligned with this or like we're not preaching this or, or whatever. There's lots of critiques on what's wrong with the Western church, but here's what I think. I think what's actually wrong is that we do not find Jesus beautiful anymore. I think what's wrong with the Western church is that we don't find Jesus beautiful anymore. We do not have an awareness and wonder of the beauty of Jesus. And my one hope for tonight is that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts in such a potent and powerful way that we get a fresh revelation of, yes, the power of God, yes, the wonder of God, but the beauty of God. That's the hope for this evening. And if that happens, we will reorient our lives around the beauty of King Jesus. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, as if Christianity is to survive this present world upheaval, 
we shall need a fresh revelation of the greatness and the beauty of Jesus. He alone can raise our cold hearts in order to rapture and restore again the art of true worship. Christianity is not about you trying to conjure up emotions for a God that is not worthy of your joy. Christianity is about understanding that God is the highest joy. He is the most beautiful one in the entire universe. And therefore, organically, the art of true worship comes out. And so here's the outline for this evening. Is it first that we're going to look at what beauty is? And then how beauty is involved in salvation, sanctification, and sending on mission. And close with some practical action steps. Is that good for everybody? All right, what is the beauty of God? Because if you're a good scripture person in the room and you know your Bible, you're like, well, Isaiah 53 or four, what is it, Taylor? I think it's 54, where it explains that the Messiah is not beautiful on the outside. That's what the text says. And so when we're explaining about the beauty of God, what are we talking about? Well, it's not external beauty. It is the culmination of his essence, his character, and his works as revealed in his word, in creation, history, and in the person of Jesus. It's his internal beauty, his essence, and his nature, and his external beauty, his actions in the world. I love this quote from Jonathan King. He says, This beauty is an intrinsic quality of things which, when it's perceived, pleases the mind with a certain kind of fittingness. I've heard a lot of people say, Well, you find that beautiful, I don't find that beautiful. Well, you look at this piece of artwork and you find it beautiful. I don't find it beautiful. And it's almost as beauty is all subjective. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Except here tonight, as we're talking about beauty, we're not talking about that type of beauty. We're talking about objective beauty. The essence of beauty. And yes, when we experience this objective beauty, it creates a type of joy in our hearts that creates a subjective experience. But it's objective beauty is what we're talking about this evening. His beauty is a thing you can't look away from. Your heart is drawn to it and it sparks awe and wonder in your heart. It isn't just external looks. It is way more profound and potent than that. And so question number one is this, how is his beauty involved in salvation? How is God's beauty involved in salvation? I remember a long time ago, I got gray hair now, but a long time ago I was in kindergarten. I do... Do I have any people in here in kindergarten? Anybody? You lying. You lying. But I remember in kindergarten uh, that I had all kinds of different friends who were boys and girls, and we'd all just hang out and have fun. And then one day, this crazy thing happened. I was hanging out with my friend 
who was a girl. And I just had this like awe in my heart that came over. I was like, I gotta get me one of those. It was like up until that point, there was like, I didn't just, yeah, like you play with the boys, we're just hanging out, we're playing basketball, football, but then this one day, just something happened. And I was like five years old, a little early, but it struck my heart and I was like, I gotta get me one of those. If you have a Bible, that's a good transition, right? If you have a Bible, uh, flip open again to 2 Corinthians chapter four. Here's what Paul says in verses three through six. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers in order that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And here's our verse we're gonna look at. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, had made his light shine in our hearts in order to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ. So what Paul is explaining here is prior to coming into a relationship with Jesus, all of us have had a veiled view of his beauty. Here in this passage, this word glory is interchangeable with beauty. And he's explaining that when we looked at Jesus prior to getting saved, it was like, yeah, he's got some good things to say. He's ordinary. He's a pretty good guy. I mean, he's a good teacher. I mean, I like his you know, kind of policies and politics. I, li- I like that. But scripture says that when the veil is taken off, we experience his beauty the light of the good news of the beauty of Jesus. This is what happens at salvation, is that the veil is taken off and he goes from just, yeah, a good historical teacher into he is the treasure of my heart and soul. This is what uh, the rich young ruler did not see. He had an encounter with Jesus and he's like, how can I be saved? And he kind of explains all the things. Then he's like, is that it? He's like, yeah, and you have to give up everything you have and follow me. And as he looked at Jesus Christ in front of him and all of his riches, he said yes to this, no to him. He said, this is more valuable than what I'm looking at right now. He did not see Jesus like we're talking about him tonight. Because once you see Jesus like that, you will gladly hand over whatever he asks of you. Because he is that beautiful, he is that valuable. I love this quote by Keller. He says that religion only finds God useful but Christians find him beautiful. Here's a question for you. Is he just useful in your life? 
Is he just, yeah, man, I, I don't have to go to hell. I can kind of live a good life. Or is he beautiful to you? And this is the gospel, is that there is a real God who is the essence of beauty. In his presence, there's fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You and I and all of humanity was made to know him and to have an intimate friendship with that God. Except all of us have turned away and say, God, I don't want you, I just kind of want your stuff. Hey God, I know you say to live life like this, but I think I'm smarter than you, I'm gonna do my own thing. And it's called sin. And here's the thing about God is that he's holy. And therefore his wrath is on all sin, including us. But here's the beautiful thing about God. It's, is that yes, he's a holy, just judge, but he's also a loving father. And he loves you and I so much that he sent his son, Jesus, here to live a perfect life in our place, to be crucified on a criminal's cross, to be put in a tomb, and on the third day, resurrected. He hung out for 40 days, he ascended into heaven, and one day he's gonna come back and he's gonna make all things new. I love this quote by Piper. It's incomplete, but it's a good quote. I'm gonna critique Piper today, is that, that good? Okay, here's what he says. Saving faith is the coming to Jesus for the satisfaction of our souls as that nothing else can satisfy. He's explaining that how we're truly saved is not just praying an empty prayer and walking an aisle. How we're truly saved is that the veil comes off and we see Jesus for who he really is, where the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore are, where the, where the essence of all beauty, everything we long for is, and then we come to him and say, I don't care about anything else, I want you. This is how the beauty of Jesus is involved in salvation. Okay, how is it involved in sanctification or on, ongoing growth? Let's flip back one chapter to chapter three in 2 Corinthians. And let's look at the last two verses. He says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled Faces contemplate the Lord's glory or beauty are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And I want you to miss this, that how we're changed as Christians isn't by just kind of closing our fists and trying harder. How we're changed is that we behold the beauty of Jesus. And as we behold him, we are organically transformed into his image more and more. And I love how he says, behold his glory or beauty. It isn't like eating a cheeseburger from, I don't know, Wendy's or something. You scarf that thing down, right? It's like you just eat it. 
It's like, I probably shouldn't eat that, but I'm going to eat it. I eat it fast. But actually how you eat like a real expensive filet mignon or something is what he's talking about. You slowly eat every bite and you kind of notice the flavors in it. I just want to slowly savor this filet. And he's explaining that how we behold the beauty of God or, or experience his beauty in such a way that we're changed is that we behold it like that. We slow down. And I love that y'all are doing that for the past week and a half of just reorienting your whole church around his beauty, around his presence, slowing down for a while, even if it takes 80 hours to read the entire Bible. You're slowing down. And that he explains that as we do this, that we're gonna be transformed one degree of glory at a time. It oftentimes is not quick, instantaneous. I prayed a prayer and I'm totally different now. It's this process over time that slowly changes you from the inside out. And that as we do this, we rid our lives of anything that hinders our experience of his beauty and we flood our life with anything that helps us experience his beauty. That's what happens when you get married. You're like, man, I got to cut off every other friendship with a girl that is trending in that direction. I got to cut them off. I got to rid my life of anything that's going to hinder my experience of this beauty. And then I'm going to flood my life with anything that's going to help me experience it more. I'm going to call this girl at wee hours of the night, right? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out with her at, at all hours of the day. And I also did this with drugs. A little bit about my story that I'll explain a little bit more in a little bit, but I was a heroin addict for a long time. And I had a horrible speech impediment as a kid that I could not talk hardly at all. So the only thing that helped me was alcohol and drugs. I had crippling anxiety that I, uh, just everywhere I went, I had sweaty palms. I couldn't hold a conversation with you. Just, just a very awkward human being in a lot of ways. I'm still very awkward, but way more awkward than I was, like a hundredfold. I was an awkward kid, and I, I, I remember, man, I looked for anything to try to help me. This anxiety, this emptiness I experienced on the inside of me. And eventually, I smoked weed for the first time. And if I'm honest, I was like, this is what I've been looking for. This is the beauty that I have been longing for my entire life. And so the plan was, I'm, I'm only gonna smoke weed, I'm only gonna do that, but it quickly led into harder and harder drugs and I eventually became a heroin addict. Because here's the thing, I had found this beauty, or so I thought. And everything in my life changed in order that I could experience more of that beauty. Any friend or family member or job that hindered my experience of that drug, I eradicated them from my life. And if it was a friend or family member that helped me experience more of those things, then I would flood my life with those things. And this is what we do with Jesus as well. 
is that we rid our life of anything that hinders our experience of him, and then we flood our lives with anything that helps us experience him more. But if I'm honest, man, I think a lot of us view those practices almost like an unloved woman who's trying to get the attention of a man that she finds attractive. We're like, hey, God, look at me. I'm fasting. Hey, God, look at me. I'm, I'm praying. Hey, God, will you look at me? I came to church like eight times this week. Anybody else? <laughs> hey, God, look at me. I'm doing all the spiritual things. And it's almost like we view God as an uninterested man. But actually, Scripture calls us the bride of Christ. And his love has pursued us in such a profound way that we are just responding to his love. These consecration type of times in the life of your church is not trying to get his attention and saying, hey, I'm pure, I'm holy, look at me. It's a response to his love. He's the groom. So here's question number three. How is his beauty involved in sending us on mission? How is his beauty involved in us being sent on mission? I remember about eight years ago, uh, I started traveling. I was in all kinds of different places and cities. And up until this point, all I had had in the way of coffee was, honestly, it was trash. It was terrible. And I liked coffee, but it was like, it was, it was all trash coffee. And I had a buddy that was like, hey man, um, I have this really cool coffee shop I have to take you to. And it was in Corbin, Kentucky. If you've ever been to Corbin, anybody ever spent any time in Corbin? One per, I'm, I'd love to hear the story because it's, it's like right in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> But anyways, they had this little coffee shop. Uh, and I went in there with him, and I was thinking it was just ordinary coffee. And I went to the front, and I was like, hey, like, what do you have that's good? And she was like, ooh, I have an Ethiopian blend. And I was like, Etha what? It's like from Africa? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like Ethiopian blend, and it tastes like blueberries. And I was like, well, like you put blueberries in the coffee? I don't know if I like that. She was like, no, no, no. It's just really good coffee, and it tastes like blueberries. And I'm telling you, that day my life was changed. <laughs> Honestly, my eyes were open to this whole like stream of the coffee business that's like actually good coffee. It's unbelievable. But everywhere I went for like three years, I told everybody about this cup of coffee. It was like, man, you, you can't, like, you have to try it. It has these blueberry notes in there, like raspberry notes, like orange peel notes in there. And, and I just it tasted this cup of coffee and it was the best thing ever. I just had to share what I had experienced. And oftentimes we view evangelism as, oh, I have to share my faith because it's, it's really, it's not beautiful, but I know I'm supposed to because the Bible says it is and I, I should probably do it. But what scripture actually lays out is that evangelism is a lot more like that cup of coffee. 
It's like I've experienced such a profound beauty and joy that I just have to share it with as many people as possible. Evangelism isn't trying to share something we don't actually find beautiful or satisfying. It's the organic overflow of the joy of experiencing his beauty. And so how does this look for us? How does this look? If we're honest, you know, a lot of these things are kind of lofty. The beauty of God involved in our salvation. The beauty of God in our sanctification. The beauty of God in our sending on mission. Well, scripture says that we do all things to the glory of God. Ultimately, that just means all things in response to his beauty and glory. And so, if you're here and you're an artist, you create art in response to his beauty. You're like, man, he's so amazing. Like, look at creation. Have you ever seen a peacock before? Like, how creative is God to make a peacock? And I'm just gonna respond to his beauty in that way. I'm gonna create. If you're here and you have a job or you run your own business, his excellence really should inspire excellence in the workplace and in your business. It's just a response to his beauty. If you're here and you have kids and a family, you're like, man, he, he's so beautiful. I have to make my home an embassy of the kingdom of God in order that my kids can experience his beauty and everybody that comes in my home can experience this beauty, or it's hospitality. You're like, man, I've experienced such a profound beauty. I just have to have people who are really lost over to my house. And I mean really lost. Like, not like you're kind of lost. I mean like lost, lost. I just have to let them experience the beauty I've experienced. Or here at church, if you've experienced his beauty man, there's a kid's area that would love to have you. It's just, I, I have to share what I, I have to invest in the next generation. It is an organic overflow of the beauty of Jesus. I mean, so I explained a little bit of my story, but I'll kind of wrap it up here. But I was, I was a heroin addict. I was about 100 pounds, um, had track marks up and down my arms. I'd tried everything to get sober. I'd tried every meeting, every medication, every rehab center I could think of. I was in and out of all these places and I could not get sober. Um, and so eventually I hit rock bottom and I was out of money, I was out of options and the options were like homelessness or prison or to go to rehab just one more time. And I was like, man, I don't think I'd make it on the streets too long. I'm 100 pounds. I'm pretty hungry. And so I chose rehab. And I ended up at this rehab center in a, a place a few hours from here in Florence. Um, and I was, I was just slowly starting to get my wits about me. And on Christmas Eve of 2010, I was invited to a church service. And listen, I was raised like real pagan. Like all of Christmas was about Santa all Easter was all about the bunny. I didn't really know the story of the gospel. 
But I heard there was pretty girls and cool music there, so I was like, I'm, I'm in. And I was a catch at the time, too. You can imagine how the ladies would love. <laughs> you laughed too hard at that one. That's not funny. But I went that night, and I was like, man, I'll just kind of go hear the talk or whatever, and there'll be, you know, kind of cool music. And I went that night, and I heard the gospel. I heard that there's a God who loves broken people. I heard that there's a God that if I handed him all the ugly pieces of my life, he could make it into something beautiful. I heard about Jesus. I heard about what he did on the cross. I heard about how he rose from the grave in that night. And I didn't understand all the intricacies of it all, but I knew I want that. I've tried it my way for too long and I'm ready to experience his way. And you know, they gave a public invitation. I prayed to receive Christ and I'm telling y'all, nothing has been the same since. He is not an idea, he is reality. He's not a religion, he is real. And I'm telling you, look in the whites of my eyes, He's so real. Yes. So about three months after that, like I was good. I was like clean and sober. I'm like in rehab still. Things are going well. And a speaker came in to the rehab center and he was arrogant. He was young. He was like explaining his stories, preaching a little bit and stuff. And as clear as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit say, he said, I'm going to have you doing that one day. And I was like, listen, God, uh, <laughs> this whole Jesus thing is cool. Love all that you did with uh, you know, the addiction stuff. I'm really grateful. But here's what you don't understand clearly is that I have a speech impediment. I can't order a hamburger at a restaurant. Like, I can't hold a conversation. I can't even, like, you know, hug someone and say, I'm Chris. Like, I, I, I literally cannot talk. And he said, I made your mouth. I can do anything I want with you. And I was like, fine, God. <laughs> but here's what had happened. Is that I had experienced such a profound beauty. I had to share it with people. And listen, it was awkward at first. Like, I still had a really crippling speech impediment for a while, so I would be like, I want to invite you to church, but couldn't get the words out. I'm like, you know, it was super awkward, but I just had to share him. I had to share him. He was that beautiful. He is that beautiful that I had to share it. And so for the past eight years, that's what I've been doing. Been you know, just traveling around trying to tell people about how beautiful Jesus is. But about two years ago, uh, I'm in another church service, and I heard that whisper again of the Holy Spirit, that clear, profound whisper that I love, but it oftentimes ruins my life again. <laughs> he started talking, I was like, ah, I've been doing the preaching thing. I'm just getting comfortable preaching the gospel. Please don't make me do anything else. And as clear as I've ever heard him, he said, I want you to plant a church. I want you to plant a church in the urban core of a very progressive city in Florida. Um, and so I think we have the website up here of Artisan City Church, uh, but we're going to plant 
in about a year. Um, so if you would, yeah, we can give God a round of applause for that. But as we wrestled and prayed through this, his beauty was the deciding factor. It's like he's worth it. He's worth our comfort. He's worth our Thursday nights. He's worth our Monday mornings. He's worth 80 hours reading the Bible out loud. He's worth it. And so here's our main point for the night if you're taking notes. Because God is infinitely beautiful, I will seek him with my whole self. Because God is infinitely beautiful, I will seek him with my whole heart and self. In the conversation that Jesus had, where he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all of your strength. In this command, he's not saying that we have to try to pursue an inferior beauty at the expense of what truly satisfies our soul. It's an invitation in order to passionately pursue the most beautiful treasure in the universe. And so how do we respond to this beautiful, this beauty? I'm gonna close with this passage. If I can get the keys up here to but it helped me sound spiritual again. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, but here's a parable that Jesus says about this. He explains this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field in which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything in order that he could have the field. This is what Christianity looks like. Is that our eyes have been opened to the most beautiful treasure in the universe. And in our joy, we go and give up everything in order to have him. It is not, oh gosh, the Bible says I gotta carry my cross and so I, I'll kind of give up a little video games, a little TV here. I guess I gotta give up that, but I really love it. No, 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 no. In his joy, he went and sold everything because he had seen the treasure. And so that's been our hope here this evening is that through the spirit of God, he would illuminate in our hearts the beauty of Jesus in such a profound way that we would gladly hand over everything to follow him. And so here's my question. I'm just gonna leave room for the spirit to speak here. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so this passage about, man, I wanna come into the temple and behold your beauty, it isn't a place anymore, it's inside of you. And yes, when we come together, his special presence comes and we experience his beautiful presence, but man, like this can happen in your heart. This can happen in your living room in the morning. This 
could happen in your car. And so just as I kind of go through these prompts, I want you to, uh, and you just listen. Just listen for his voice and see what he's saying. Here's the first question, man. What's he calling you to give up? This whole that if he's the treasure hidden in a field that we gladly go and sell everything for to have him. What's he calling you to give up? This isn't about salvation. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian. But it's about him inviting you into closer intimacy with him. And so it could be just kind of white bread stuff. It's like those restaurants where you're about to eat a filet, but you eat all the bread. It's like, I don't even want the filet anymore, which is crazy. That's American Christianity in a nutshell right there. We eat so much white bread that we don't even want his presence sometimes. What are those white bread things he's calling you to give up tonight? Or maybe it's, it's actually something greater than that. It's actually sin. If you're anything like me and you've experienced any type of addiction, and I just, I've seen Jesus heal people's addictions over and over and over again. And man, don't leave here without prayer. His presence is beautiful, but it's also powerful. It can break the bonds of addiction in an instant sometimes and also through a process sometimes. Is it pornography? He's like, man, you come into church and and you look the part, you dress the part, but really like you have this hidden thing. And here tonight, man, like there's gonna be prayer people who aren't gonna judge you at all. They would love to pray with you and lay hands on you and just, scripture says that healing happens when we confess and are prayed for. So what's he calling you to give up? Next is, What's he calling you to pursue? I love times like this in a church, man, where you lean into the presence of God and you're praying and fasting all day and night and things are happening and you're experiencing more of his presence and and crazy things are happening in the community. But oftentimes in church history, when revivals happen, they quickly fizzle out. Because there's a move of the spirit, except there's no practical rhythms of revival in your life. And so here's my ask. Like, what are some of those rhythms? Here's a few of mine. One is I try to have a, every morning have a time with Jesus. It also includes some really good Ethiopian coffee normally. (laughs) But I get up and I have my ugly orange chair. Uh, It's in my living room and I have my pour over cup of coffee and I sit down and I have my Bible and my journal and I just open my hands and I say, God, meet with me here. And I'm telling you, half an hour a day, an hour a day, man, could keep that spark going for the rest of your life. Another one is on a weekly basis. It's church every week. It's having a rest day every week. 
and even fasting every week. I do it all day up until dinner. So it's just one day where I lean into the presence of God a little bit more intensely than other days. I would highly recommend implementing. So what is the spirit of God speaking to you right now? Is it a quiet time? You just need to get up and read the Bible. Is it prayer? Is it fasting? Is it church every Sunday? Hey, I'm going to lead my family here every week. And then next, just like that Ethiopian cup of coffee I just had to tell people about, who's in your life that you need to tell about Jesus? Who's the spirit placing on your heart right now that he's inviting you into the miracle that he wants to do in their life? Pray for him, have him over to your house and just organically overflow the beauty of Jesus. And then lastly, I believe there's some people here that uh, as I've been talking tonight about Jesus and the gospel, that the veil has been coming off. That up until this point in your life that you have just been like this, yeah, Jesus is kind of lame. He's, he's unimportant. I know, I know Christmas and Easter and like the date that we live in, it's all kind of based around him. Western culture kind of plays into him. But if I'm honest, he's not beautiful to me. I haven't ever placed my faith in him as we've been talking about it tonight. I truly believe that we've been praying and and asking the Lord that he would draw people to himself tonight. And so, hey, if that's you, uh, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It isn't the prayer that saves you. It's not like a spell that if you get all the words right, then you're a Christian. It's a posture of the heart of I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself, but I believe that you can, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross in my place. I believe you rose from the grave and I'm trusting in you to reconcile me to the God of the universe. You turn from your old life and you trust in Christ. And so if you would, let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. And I'm gonna pray for us real quick. Father, I pray that you do what only you can do tonight. It isn't music that can do it. It isn't my stories or the message or whatever. It's it's your spirit that can open up, remove the veil from people's hearts in order that they see you as beautiful. And so if that's you and you're here and you're like, man, that, 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 like that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. He's, he's closer than your closest thoughts. He hears everything in your heart. And so I mean, just pray something like this in your heart. Heavenly Father, I need you to save me. I 
know I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself. But I believe that you can. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe you rose from the grave. And I repent of my sin. And I place all of my faith and trust in you, King Jesus. You can have my life. With all heads down and all eyes closed, I'm the only one looking around. But if you're here and you just prayed that, would you put your hand over your head in order that I can see it? Just raise your hand for me. Awesome. Anyone else? If you can, raise it high for me just so I can see. I'm the only one looking around. A few peekers maybe, but we don't mind them. Will you leave it up for me? Y'all, 14 people just responded to the gospel. You mind if we give Jesus a round of applause? 